Hey, Emily. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, ladies. Who said that? It's me, Alexandra. Well, Alexandra, do you want to do a podcast? Absolutely. Welcome to Cycle Swaps, a podcast to stop the competition and start the collaboration. In this episode, we are going to talk to a woman who is no stranger to empowerment. She is here to speak her mind, make radical change, and make sure your voice is heard. Fellow podcaster, Alexandra. Welcome to the podcast. So my first question, Alexandra, is always like, what made you get into this field? But for this, I kind of want to start off with what inspired you to start your podcast? Yeah, well, it's funny. There's, uh, I don't know if you two are on TikTok, but there's this sound on TikTok where I won't remember it exactly, but it's essentially saying like, do you want to know about my trauma or do you want to know about my passion? And I was like, Hmm, that's how I feel about this question, whatever I'm asked, because for me, it's very intertwined with my personal experience and also just like my path outside of the work that I was doing before. So I actually, before my podcast started, my blog was and is called Padreland, but Padreland has now become like my full grown company and is not just a blog anymore. But I initially started the blog when I was in grad school. I was working a job that I was very overworked, underappreciated, undervalued, underpaid, et cetera, all that fun stuff that happens. And I was kind of just getting to a breaking point where I was like, okay, I need I need something else. And I very much come from like an upbringing where like, quote unquote, stability is like the default, like you should go for the stable choice versus the maybe slightly unstable choice, but potentially like bigger reward choice. And so I started listening to a bunch of women hosted podcasts during that time. And that was also in the wake of like Me Too movement, me finally dealing with childhood sexual trauma that I had experienced, but never really talked about or shared with anyone in my life. And so all of these things were happening like at the same time. And it got me to this point of first realizing how much awesome like information and just like ability to take in different perspectives there was in podcasting and specifically from women and hearing women talk about you know forging their own path and maybe like creating their own freelance career entrepreneurship or podcast or you know authors I come from a writing background so initially I was like writing that's what it's going to be and so I started writing about podcasts and when I was working on that blog I very quickly knew that I wanted to have a podcast and make a podcast but it didn't come right away and then then within that year, I started developing the podcast called The Pod Broads, where I interview women in the podcasting industry about their lives, their work, how the two things intersect. And it just all boils down to what I've come to call like a core tenant of the work that I do. And that's just listen to women and listen to women deeply, listen to women across experiences, especially the types of voices within that big umbrella that is women that are the most underrepresented and the ones that have been silenced the most. That's really what inspired it, all those things mixing in together. We need our voices heard right now more than ever. And it's important for us to also understand what I love that you do is because you are women-centric, just like we are. It is kind of stopping the stigma that we are in competition with one another, which is also why we wanted to do this kind of sphere of the podcast. Because other women podcasters, yes, there are competition, like we're in competition with each other, but like 
not really. Everybody is going to bring their own thing. Everybody has their own narrative inside them and their own way of speaking their truths and their voice. So I love the idea that you also exemplify and, you know, extend that because I think we need more of that narrative going around where we're really just electrifying each other's voices, not diminishing them by like this really silly middle school competition that somebody told us is the right way to do things. Right, right. I love that you just said that because whenever I think of that mentality, I go back to middle school. I'm like, I feel like that was when it was like nourished in the worst way, that mentality that we are in competition with each other. And like, I think in doing this work, I very much have been able to shift from like that scarcity mindset, whether it has to do with money, whether it has to do with how much space there is in the world for us to create and have platforms and things that we want people to consume and like move more into an abundance mindset and realize that more begets more. And the more we make space, the more space there is for other women to come in. So then for people who have not listened to your podcast before, what can listeners like expect to learn? What is kind of your value set in the podcast? What are you hoping that like people walk away from understanding? Well, one of the the inspiration points for this podcast for me was actually inside the actor studio and I was a avid watcher and listener of that on YouTube late at night in my high school years and something I just always loved about those conversations in particular I feel like they just really got to the root of the person as well as the craft and at least at the time that I was creating this podcast I think I'm always very careful to be like there definitely was nothing like this because there are so many podcasts and it's hard to know if you're like missing one that exists out in the world. But from what I was engaging with and seeing, I didn't see anything or hear anything that was doing deep dives like that with podcasters and specifically women podcasters. And so I, one, have created a space I believe that allows podcasters to really get to exist in their element and be able to reflect on the work that they've done and also be asked as like experts on the work that they've done while also getting to see how that relates to who they are as a person, the values that they bring into their work and how the work has impacted them as a person. The first question I always ask my guests are, who are you inside of work and who are you outside of work? Because I think that especially for creators that can get very convoluted but I also think it's really important for us to remember like our work is not 100% all of us and there are other pieces of our lives and our identities that you know impact the work that we do but also that we should exist outside of that and so I love I always love hearing people's answers to that question and I always feel a little like I've had people be like how would you answer that and I was like oh man I don't know now I have to think about it like I put them in the hot seat and then I'm like have it flipped on me and I'm like you know what I should probably have an answer for this more than I do. But it's actually helped me identify that more and more for myself in asking people this question. So yeah, I mean, people can really just expect like really raw, open, honest conversations, definitely about like the podcast work that these women do, but it very often divulges into something deeper than that. Something, I mean, I love talking about trauma, healing, mental health, anything that falls into the realm of women's rights and in the context of workplace stuff, building better boundaries, between ourselves, our relationships and our work and things like that. So it's to me, podcasting has always been a different lens to experience the world and your relationships and yourself and building your emotional intelligence. And so that's kind of how I navigate through these conversations. And that's what people typically get from it. 
You mentioned something really interesting, how it ends up becoming more than just talking about their podcast. We found that very early on that when we started talking to these women, we're like, oh, we're all experiencing like the same things. They're a little bit different because we're all different, but it's the same general principle. And so that's extremely eye-opening. And I think that's what makes your type of podcasting so unique because it does actually open that door to the other perspective, right? Because social media, the dawn of it, you got to put out the perfect reel and the way you look has to be perfect and filters and edits and all that stuff. And oftentimes we forget there are real people behind these screens. And so the things you do and say do actually affect them to some degree. I love talking about mental health. It's like, if I can squeeze it into a conversation, I will. I'm like, did somebody say mental health? Does somebody want to talk about that? I'm here. <laughs> so I, I feel that very heavily. It's, but it's important because again, as women, we are constantly told smile, be pretty, be quiet, know your place, be safe find a husband to take care of you, pop out some kids. And that's not all being a woman actually is. That's not the narrative anymore. We're changing it constantly. But what I loved about what you said too, is, you know, the first question that you ask in your podcast is how they are in workplace versus outside of it. That's something that, you know, I kind of do a lot because Steph and I are both actors. And like, for me, I go to work because it's work. But I'm not staying in that world, that reality. I'm not going to go out and drink with you and tell you that this is the best show I've ever done and like kiss your booty so that you'll put me in your next show. No, that's my work. I go to my job. I do my work. I bring a book. Usually I'm the one that's like in the back reading that everyone thinks is a snob, but I'm actually just there to do my work and not get involved in drama. And then I leave when it's time to leave and I come home and I am home Emily, no longer work Emily. So I, I love that you bring that into it because I think it is different and there does have to kind of be a distinction between those two because especially in the theater world, I can speak for that definitely. I don't want to bring that home with me. It's so catty. There's absolutely no need for me to be involved in any of that. I also appreciate hearing that too because like I said, like I think it's interesting to see how different people answer that question and I feel like I'm at this weird place where I'm wanting to insert more of myself in my work and be able to be more of me in my work than I feel like sometimes we're allowed while at the same time balancing that with very clear boundaries of how much access people get to me, which I think is what was missing before has been missing for a lot of people, especially people who work in spaces that like require them to have work be their life. And I think it's important to create that balance Boundary, even if you love what you do. So I feel like podcasting tends to sometimes fall under the umbrella of not influencer, but like content creator. So you're constantly creating content. And I have even found with Emily and myself is sometimes we'll be like, oh, cycle chats and cycle chats. And then there's moments where we kind of have to check each other and be like, okay, or just like movie night. We're allowed to separate church and state, so to speak. And it's important too, because you can very easily get lost in the sauce. And so creating boundaries really are for you, for yourself, so that you're not so sucked into it 24 hours a day. Because I know someone who's extremely successful, runs her own company, but she's miserable, just a miserable human being. And I would never want to trade places. Yet she, you know, idea of success is having a ton of money. And she points the finger at me and says that I have nothing to show for to give advice. Yet she has no life. 
and has to buy her happiness. Yeah, I'm totally in the mode where I'm like, obviously the ideal is if you can have both. And I think some people can do that and I try and listen to those people versus I've been in those spaces where like work has been the leader's whole life. And I I do find myself struggling with that, but I know it's not where I want to stay. And so I'm like, just any type of growth mindset is like truly growth mindset, not like the buzzword of it, but like doing the hard work to actually be able to implement changes that get you to where you want to go. And there might be a little muddiness along the way, but I do believe that that can happen. Yeah. We talk about self-actualization like a lot and like actually looking in a mirror and like, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What do you need to work on? And like actually asking those hard questions. And then like you said, like actually making change, making steps in the direction that you want to go in instead of just staying stagnant and complacent. It's just like for us, the biggest gift that we have grown so much because of this, that to me is really important. Growth is such a beautiful thing if you really allow yourself to start growing. Also realizing that like growth is constant. I love my brother-in-law so much. He's an amazing person, but like one of the scariest things he always says to me is that he wants to live as he did yesterday. And I'm like, oh my God, that means that there's no room for growth. You're just going to constantly live in the past. And like, I don't know. I just feel people aren't willing to actually put themselves in a scary situation or just like look at themselves actually in the mirror and be like, how do I want to change? Like, what is the next step in this path? because life is a journey and it's going to constantly change. So I know for us, like I was saying, you know, one of my favorite things about the podcast is learning from the women that we get to speak to, because then I get to kind of impart their wisdom on myself and then change with what they're telling me. So what is your favorite piece of advice that you have learned from a guest? Oh my goodness. I mean, as you know, there's so much. So it's like, it's always hard to narrow down and thinking about it. I feel like, can I give two? Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. I want to, <laughs> I want to give one that's like a little more like tangible advice versus like one that I feel like is like a little more like emotional based. But I remember this as like, you know, budding business owner, creator, etc. from my conversation with Julia Lantigua. And she was the first one I had had kind of tell me about this kind of business fail that most business owners go through and it was about like the shiny object which I feel like you're nodding so you've also heard it but like I'll never forget having that conversation and like right away you know she's for your listeners who were like what are you talking about the shiny object is the thing that seems super exciting it's gonna change the thing it's gonna make the big impact it's gonna get you all the downloads it's gonna get you all the big clients it's gonna be awesome and then it ends up falling really flat or like not being as wonderful as you thought it would be and etc etc and you put all these time and resources into it and it's like bleh. So she shared an experience that happened to her like that and ever since that conversation like when I am presented with an opportunity say like a new client that is maybe like bigger or has like a well-known name attached to it or maybe is going to be like the most amount of money that I've gotten up to this point I'm very quick to pause and be like okay Alexandra is this a shiny object right now and that has helped me not rush into 
things, it's reminded me to slow down in the process and make sure, you know, I'm reading that contract the way I'm going to, I'm not agreeing to anything I'm going to regret long term. And just like knowing that if the thing that is shiny doesn't work out, it wasn't supposed to be the thing for you, even though on paper, it would have looked really cool to everyone else. Because I think that's something I've realized. And even through many of the conversations I've had with these women is like, there are so many awesome things that we do that I don't think need to be legitimized by a big name. And so that's that's one of those pieces that has really stuck with me and like helped guided me in this next year of my business. And I think it's important for whether you have a business, whether for you two as like actors, like <laughs> you know how that applies to your work. And like for podcasters, like there's, it's not always like the best thing to go after the shiny thing. So that's a great takeaway. I think we talk about imposter syndrome a lot on my podcast, you know, it comes up many a times. You're not in your head and I I know you know that's one of those things that feels pretty universal to different levels though not every every woman experiences it and I am always like I love talking to women who are like nah like that's I got this are they but are they being honest sometimes (laughs) I I wonder I'm like are you lying to us don't lie to us you know I'm like I don't believe you that's not possible I feel you. I think it it can feel hard to feel possible when it's like so different from your experience. I do believe that there are people that's not their trauma or struggle, but they have their own, you know, (laughs) it's definitely something I deal with. And I think that just the sheer fact of getting to speak with women who I admire so much and love their work and to hear that they go through that or have gone through that and is just something that they deal with like I think it's such an important reminder especially when we get stuck in comparison like I even remember talking with one of my most dreamy conversations I'll say just in terms of the pacing and vibe that was around us as we were talking was with Avery Truffleman and I remember like she's someone who I like very much respect the work of and I mean she's awesome in everything that I've I've heard her do and remember we were talking and I like I kind of expressed something along those lines and she was like yeah but like you've like built up your whole own thing like and like pointing that out and I was like yeah I guess that's true but I think it's important for us to be like reflected back to ourselves by other people because we don't see what they see so yeah I think those those have been like some major takeaways that have like personally impacted me for sure that's like my literally my favorite part of podcasting is just listening and learning from other people and then imparting their wisdom as part of my soul which therefore then creates change which I get to move forward in and then change somebody else's narrative hopefully like I don't think there's literally nothing better that I've ever done in my life if Stephanie and I make absolutely no money off of this I know that it has been worth it every step of the way because I have grown I know Stephanie has grown and it's only made us better communicators together better friends better sisters and better partners outside of everything so money is not everything success doesn't have to mean money and I I loved learning that that's probably one of the the biggest takeaways that I've had from this whole two-year experience almost which is nuts and it's good to be reminded everyone once in a while that what you're doing is working and having somebody say, Hey, here's your mirror. Like 
I see it because I think we have a tendency to forget. I certainly have those moments where I'm like, I'm not good enough. And like I had one recently, I just performed at my old college. There's like a 700 seat audience and it's a show they do every year because of COVID. They couldn't do it for two years. And so the seats were, house is completely full. I sang Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. I had this whole routine. It was my first time performing in front of that many people like in three years. And I couldn't even hear the music at the end because people were applauding and yelling so loud. And it was one of those moments where I kind of was like, I don't know why I think I'm not good. Like I always act so shy and people are like, are you a singer? And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. You know, and, and I sing and they're like, no, no, no. Like you're a singer. And I'm like, yeah, huh. I get, yeah. Okay. I guess I am. You know, I feel weird saying that when someone's like, well, can you, are you good at it? And I'm like, I don't think so. You well, know, I feel like one of the things that we're told as women is to be humble. Right. So it's like, I don't want to take any credit. No, that's not my place. So I think that's a big part of it. Probably Steph. I also do wonder like it's hard to not think about the gendered aspect and then obviously like that's such a simple way of looking at it too because then what other identities do we need to mix in there to see how that might impact someone's relationship with imposter syndrome because as I'm finding out which maybe you two have already heard this but I forget I'm gonna butcher it but imposter syndrome is essentially like kind of a lie in that it's not actually imposter syndrome but it's like what typically happens to folks who have been kind of disenfranchised for so long and have not either seen themselves reflected and like these spaces are told that they're not allowed to act a certain way or that they you know do you get what I'm trying to say so yeah oh I mean I grew up super I hesitate to say the word conservative because it wasn't that I was conservative but we grew up very traditional and I talk about this we have a friend who's like yeah Stephanie says it every episode I'm like thanks but it's it's true I grew up very traditional and so now at 30 I'm like trying to rework who and like what I am actually believe in. And that is really hard to do. I would have had a much easier time in life if I would have just shoveled it down and like people pleased until I was in my casket. But that's, I don't know. There was just another part of me that was dying to get out. I was like, nah, I got to live this truth that's just been simmering. And you also wonder too, I've had privilege enough in my life to be able to make that choice. And there are some people who can't, who don't feel like that they're in a position or they don't feel safe enough to figure out who they are, what they want to do. And that's sad. And hopefully through even just these episodes, right? Being able to just have one person listen to one of our episodes, one of your episodes and go, that's something I'm going to think about. And even if it shifts the tiniest part of their life, but they've gained a little piece of themselves that they never thought they had, that's to me real success. I'm not sure if that had anything to do with what you just said, but I felt very moved. I think it, I, <laughs> It totally resonated and made sense to me. <laughs> I think we should just do a podcast where we talk about, or just like the peace, the resonance, the universe. We'll just say all of like the catchphrases. Right. Because I think as you start to podcast more, just side note for anyone listening, you tend to use the same words. And I will find myself picking up on what like more seasoned podcasters say. And then I'll start using it. And I'm like, oh, who do I think I am? I'm getting food and candy candy at the counter at, at the movie theater. I'm not packing it in my purse beforehand. I'm shelling out the big bucks. Like that's what it feels like. <laughs> I don't care how much money I have. I'm still, still packing. Use, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go to a dollar store and get candy first there. Cause hello. I mean, I'll get more candy for less 
money. So Alexandra, I know this wasn't like part of the itinerary, but it's an interesting question because I know it's something that like staff and I have dealt with and like the idea of people supporting the podcast. That was a big thing that we were dealing with in the beginning. You know, you're like, oh, my family, my friends, these people are going to support me. They'll share my stuff. And then nobody does. And you're like, ow, okay, I guess you don't think I'm doing something cool or maybe because I'm not making money from it. It becomes like not worth it to people. I'm not sure, but I'm over that hump now. It was very hard for me to deal with in the beginning. I was very passive aggressive. I've never said that before, but I am extremely (laughs) passive aggressive. And and, (laughs) and I would on my personal Instagram be like, yeah, well F you. Yeah. It just really, it ticks me off. I just don't understand. I think that if somebody is trying to change the narrative and make the future a better place, I don't understand why people don't want to support those kind of people, but whatever it's support doesn't even mean that like you have to go buy someone's product no Sometimes all i was asking it's... for is a double tap i think or, that's crazy or even better you don't even have to listen to the episode play it in the background while you're going to do something turn it off i don't listen to podcasts well you know what you just playing it in the background allows it to show up that someone viewed it and that helps i mean there are so many ways you can support and i think people i don't know what they i'm not like asking for your you know social security number and your like bank routing number you know Actually, your firstborn room and board for a year <laughs> like i'm not there's there's nothing like we're not asking you to marry us no it's very casual I, I just want just you to like. you know maybe share something that you think is good because I know what we do is good like I said support for me was like a huge eye-opener so for you like what's something that you have kind of learned or wish people knew yeah I have okay I have a couple thoughts based on what you shared so I first off will say like totally hear you on that and I think that there were definitely occurrences like early on where I was bummed that maybe certain people didn't listen or like didn't share and And I don't know, I do think it's some people just don't understand how it works. And so that's kind of what we're talking about right now. Like, you know, Stephanie, what you were just saying, like, even just having something downloaded can help a podcast, even if you can't listen to it, if you can just take a moment to download it, definitely listening is is ideal. But right now, in terms of like, if we're thinking about metrics on the back end of it, so like I do PR and marketing for podcasts, and still a lot of the metrics that people care about are how many downloads does it have, we're getting more into a place of like looking at completion rate and how much people are actually listening, which I do think is, you know, important and probably where it'll continue to move towards, but still downloads itself is just an important metric for people to have to either make money with the podcast or be able to do like swaps with other podcasters or just like getting more impact in that way. So I think that people just don't understand how that works. Some people just don't understand how social media works. Like, I don't think before I really started using social media like I did to really grow a platform and learn how, like, what impacts it. I don't, I didn't really understand the importance of liking and saving and commenting and giving engagement so that it impacts the algorithm. And so I think that what helped me in not feeling so emotionally attached when, like, say someone wouldn't share about a new episode is, like, understanding that a lot of people who are just consumers and who are on the app not for work don't really get it. 
it. <laughs> and so it's not always about you or that they don't want to support you, but that they just don't see the value, like that it's changing anything. And some of those people might and like people get busy and can't always do things. And so I think I had to let go of that expectation that the people in my life were going to be my core listeners, because at the end of the day, they're not going to be your fans. And your fans are going to be the people that you find elsewhere or who find you and decide to have you be a part of their life in their ears. So I think that that's something that I have just learned that has been helpful. And I've more and more let go of the need to know if my family is listening. I love when they listen. And my sisters definitely will listen and will like hit me up and be like, Oh, so like this episode, da da da. And I love it. It feels great. And like, it makes me happy that they're listening, of course, but I also don't have that expectation there anymore. And I think that that has just freed my mental space to think about the people who are going to be my listeners. And so that has helped. And yeah, I think it's just for people who don't work in podcasting, like, but you want to support a podcast, like I was saying, like, just downloading an episode can be helpful for those metrics, listening in the background, like you were saying, Stephanie, if like, it's really not your jam, but you just want to find a way to support for free, put it on and go clean your room or something. And then I think like leaving a review, when you subscribe and leave a review, it shows that there's engagement with the podcast. And that can kind of help it with the charts. There's definitely a school of thought that's like reviews don't help with charting. But I've also heard people say the more engagement there is with a podcast, the more it can help push that. So well, especially on Apple. Yeah. Or iTunes or Apple, whatever Apple. it's called. Apple. Yeah. Oh, he's like iTunes, <laughs> Apple, I Apple. That definitely the more engagement there is with a certain podcast within a certain category, it'll push it further up as suggestions for people. And kind of going to your point where you said how your sister listens to it, I will say that I don't know that my brother and his wife have listened to an episode. They're very supportive of things in my life. But I just remember in the very beginning, I was like, has anyone listened to anything? And they're like, I'm sorry, I haven't. And I'm like, well, that's okay. And it was, I think, hard because Emily's family is so supportive. Her one brother comments on everything. He like always calls her and is like, I listened to the new episode. And it just, and then we'll have I was like, like 40 mm -hmm. minute conversations yeah. about it. He's like, I learned and it's, so much. It's great. But on the flip side, right? I have girlfriends who are extremely supportive. And I have one friend who's like, I haven't gotten a chance to listen to your new episode yet, but I'm going to. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I'm like, Same. I don't have yeah. to apologize, but like, right. thank you. So yeah. eventually you do have to realize it balances out. And just because some somebody isn't listening necessarily doesn't mean that they don't love you. And then I've straight up just had friends be like, oh, I just have been too busy to listen. And I'm like, okay, not really. I support you on your endeavors. So I don't think so. And then even learning how to have a conversation, like to sit down and be like, hey, do you think you can help me out with X, Y, and Z? And asking on the back end for things. And I know my family is like, whatever they need to do. If I were to send them the link and be like, download this, and then you could just delete it off your laptop, I could care less. They'd be like, sure, no problem. I'll do it for you. So it's kind of learning how to navigate through those waters, which have been interesting to say the least, especially because when you tell people you have a podcast, I don't know if you get this, I'll get one of two things. I'll either get, oh, that's cute. Does it make money? And you're like, well, I'd like it to, but not yet. Or you'll get, I was thinking about starting a podcast. You should interview me. What do you do on it? And I'm like, <laughs> love that. Well, they love to talk about themselves. Uh, right. I get it. Like if somebody would be like, talk about yourself, certain things, I'd be like, absolutely. But it's just, it's a very odd dynamic. And I don't know that people know how to have like a neutral feeling about it, either total disgust or absolute adoration for themselves. I just had a friend text me the other day. She listened to Catherine's episode and she was like, it was cute. And I was like, ow, cute. I don't, 
think our episodes are are cute. Some of them are like funny at places, but Catherine's episode was really involved. So I was like, cute. Did you listen? <laughs> Those kinds of responses. Really confusing. That's the kind of response where I'm like, that response has way more to do with that person than what I'm doing. So like, because to me, like when people respond in that way, especially like to women who are doing creative projects or like building a business, like I feel like that's something that happens way too often still is like, oh, you're, li- are you doing your little, you know, this, the, the using the words like little, like that's. Oh, I love that. I've gotten that about every <laughs> single thing that I have ever done in my life is really? your little side project. Yeah. Cause it's, I've always been in the arts. Finally, one day I said to my mom's completely supportive. She just wants to see me happy and thrive. And if she ever happens to listen to this, I'm really proud of her, but she does not know how to work her phone sometimes. God bless the woman. She struggles. <laughs> She's like, what do I, how do I, and I'm like, oh God, mom. But yeah. like, I remember one day finally saying to my dad, I said, I would like to remind you that you signed off on me going to school for theater. So anything that I'm doing artistically is your fault. And he started <laughs> laughing. I just was finally like, well, okay, you're going to say me. I mean, you were the parents, you were laying down the law. You were the ones that were putting me through school. So you had a say and you went, all right, go for it, kiddo. Be an artist. I was like, and this is what it is. And it took a lot of conversation conversations and a lot of years to finally get them to understand that just because I'm not singing every single day doesn't mean that I'm not successful in the degrees that I've achieved. I love that you brought that up because I, not the same kind of path, but I definitely identify with pieces of it. Like, I think that I had this realization not too long ago, but I feel like as people who wanted or want to do a creative career like when I was younger because I also love to sing and good at it but I also know there's people who are better than me because I didn't spend time training but uh a trio you say (laughs) (laughs) but like you know did that and like writer like that kind of stuff and like so my mind was always like oh well I would love that but the only way that it seemed possible was if you're famous and I think the more that I'm realizing is that being famous isn't the only way to have a career that is successful and sustainable in this kind of work but that's the kind of stuff that we're fed in the media and how people talk about it and how people view people who go into that career path because it's so non-linear and not like obvious of how you get into it and I think that yeah like when I started my blog I mean my family knows this they were concerned there they were like okay like what's this gonna be and like and I always say you know I'm still on the path of what is going to be like a salary that I want to have while living in New York City but I was teaching prior to doing this and using my degree because I studied English Lit which I still use every day personally but I never made more than $37,000 as a teacher in New York City which is extremely under low income status in in the city and when I started this blog and I started transitioning into the work that I'm doing now that I built from this little blog that I was doing this little idea that I had I tripled my income in like a year I mean mind you tripling my income when I was making at the time like 20,000 is now just making a salary that's like oh this is way more livable than what I was making before I'm like that's such an important distinction to make and like I feel like people need to be open about it because like you hear triple your income and you're like well, oh it sounds God. when you hear like, that, I automatically right. think of an MLM where they're just right. like, this is not an uh, MLM, I promise. What's, what's, <laughs> the, uh, what's the word that they always like to use? This opportunity. Oh, yeah, it's such a, this exciting like, opportunity. You sell shampoo, um, take it easy. <laughs> 
I love that. But it's, you know, it was many things. It was, I was being really underpaid before. And so now I'm just actually being paid properly for the work that I'm doing. But I was the one who did that. I was the one who made those choices. I was the one who was like, I'm not going to underpay myself now that I'm doing my own work. But I was in this linear, like made sense career path for what I studied. And where was that getting me? Not anywhere good. I want to start a wrapping this up because this thing is going to be over an hour. There's way too many good things that we are talking about and I'm not going to be able to cut things out, which is going to, you know, future Emily, I apologize. But what I just wanted to say thank you for Alexandra was the fact that you brought up money. That's never been something that we've actually spoken about on the podcast and like putting a number on it, but it's so important, especially for women to start talking about what they're making, their income, because then somebody who's in a similar position can go, well, wait a minute, I'm not making that. Why am I not making that? And then you can start going, well, I know I deserve this because I remember little quick story when I was in Texas on, I'm part of a national tour of old Jews telling jokes. It's a blast. I love it so much, but I was in Texas with the show and we were talking about what we were making and some of the older cast members who had been with the show a little bit longer were making like 700 a week. And I was like, well, I'm making 600. I think I deserve 700. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to stick with 600 for this year. But if they ask me to continue on next year, I'm going to ask for that 700. And I did. I told her and she should ask for I got it. I was like, I was just going to say, I was like, yeah. down. my go-to is the least that I'm willing to make. I did that one day. I was uh, charging a makeup client and I was just so fed up. And I was like 350 because I was just like, whatever. And I was in a mood and I pressed send and I was like, well, I've lost this job. And they're like, okay, no problem. How do you want me to pay you? And I'm like, my God, that's amazing. And then I started panicking myself because I'm like, now I got to perform for 350. And, you know, of course, I can't just do the natural thing that I normally do. I got to throw in like a million extras so that, you know, they make it worth it. But it turned out to be a learning experience. My dad's like, said, Stephanie, we like, yes, of course, 350. He's like, believe you're worth it. Even if you have to fake it in the beginning, eventually you will start believing yourself. And I'm like, He's right. But I just love that conversation because it is a really uncomfortable one to have, but it shouldn't be. It's just because society tells us we should be uncomfortable when talking about money, but like everybody deserves a living wage to put food on a table and to be able to have whatever lifestyle they want. Like, why are there so many homeless people around? It's a whole different topic. Abuse. and I know, but then we, we have to help those people. I just, I just, I always think about if I was that person, how would I want to be treated? Well, I'd like to be treated like a human being. That's how I want to be treated. We're not treating them like human beings. It drives me freaking crazy. Anyway, I'm going to finish this thing up. So we're talking about empowerment. Clearly I'm inspired and empowered by this conversation. I think Stephanie is too. I hope you can say the same. So what does women empowerment mean to you? I was thinking about this before and I was like, well, how do I put this into words? I think that for me, women empowerment means kind of the combination of us collectively and genuinely and continuously lifting each other other up and making choices on a systemic level that are serving the most underrepresented of our group as women and are ensuring that everyone are getting the support that they need. And I think it's also just on like a personal level, empowerment in a way is the embodiment of peace 
almost like in your body and in your mind and like feeling really connected to your body and being able to feel really connected to your body and because I think the more that people are and the more grounded they are within themselves the more willing they are to serve others I don't want to derail that hopefully that made yes and answered the question (laughs) it surely did definitely yes so then I will finish up my questions with what advice would you give your 15 year old self? Mm, Oh, 15 year old Zandra, where was she? I had advice for 15 year old Zandra. It would be to tell the people you trust what happened to you. So you don't have as many years of trauma to peel back because you have not shared and to not care as much about what these dumb boys think. (laughs) Preach it from the rooftops. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was so nice. It's good to speak with somebody who gets where you're coming from and who is kind of sitting behind the same computer screen you are. So it's good camaraderie. But I think people know where to find us and listen to us. But to some of our listeners who might not listen to you, where can they find you? And do you have any fun things coming up that we should be aware of? Yeah, so you can find me on social media at Podraland, P-O-D-D-R-A-L-A-N-D on Instagram. There's a period in between those two Ds, but I'm most active there, Twitter and TikTok, unless I'm a little burnt out. And my website is www.podraland.com. You can find my podcast, The Pod Broads, there, and also like other roundups of wound-hosted podcasts that you should check out, and also my PR and marketing work for podcasters if you're a podcaster who is listening and wants some one-on-one sessions or maybe a little ride or die monthly retainer type of situation. But yeah, those are my main things. I am in the next few months going to be launching some more resources just for fellow podcasters within that that realm and helping people out with the PR and marketing piece for those who can't afford the bigger stuff, but just want to find new ways to help people do that for themselves. So that's kind of what's on my radar at the moment and that will be coming down the pipeline soon. Well, thank you. I mean, it's always great. We're all about, what is it? Collaboration over competition. (laughs) And give me me a second there. But thank you so much, guys and gals and everyone in between. Go check Alexandra out. All the links will be in the description below. And hey, if you don't know, www.cyclechats.com. We have a blog there where Emily and I go through little bits and bobs of our personal life so you can really get to know us. And we also have a place for you to sign up on our newsletter, which you will get reminders of episode drops. You get to know us a little bit more and all of the cool, fun things that we have coming up, which we certainly have a lot. And you can find us on Instagram at cycle chats, all lowercase DM us. We love to hear from you. And if you've got 30 seconds, write us a review on any of the podcasting platforms in which you are listening to us. It helps us out a great deal and gets people to discover us and all of the lovely ladies that podcast with us. So thank you so much. And we hope you sync up with us next time. (laughs) 